my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code WELCOME to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code WELCOME at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code WELCOME. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, April 4th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and on a day where we had a rest day, as far as the Monday was concerned, we now get to really make up for it with a massive slate going into this Tuesday. 13 games, pretty much the whole NBA who took the day off for the NCAA March Madness final. Which uh, UConn did win. I was just uh, checking there. Not the biggest college basketball fan, but I'll catch out the odd game here and there. But UConn did end up taking the national title, so congrats to them. But my guy Ramiz is here with me to talk through what is a pretty, pretty massive slate. Lots of ups and downs. We are definitely into the throes of silly season over here. But everyone is either fighting for their lives as far as postseason seating is concerned or... They're tanking for their lives as they try to get as many lottery balls as it looks. So, Ramiz, you know, taking a look at the slate over here, obviously a lot to kind of digest, kind of go through. But, uh, you know, talk to me. How's, how are things going on your end? How are you looking to approach a slate like this? Uh, honestly, it's been pretty good. Uh, school is nearly about to be done, so that's always good to do. Uh, nice. Good, good news. Uh, but uh, this slate, uh, I just hope we don't pick the same people <laughs> as long as we keep on going on. So uh, I think I think it will be definitely some interesting picks I have. Uh, but let's just hope it's not repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I, as I was talking to him kind of off uh, off the air on this one, I know because of how many games we do have here, really, <laughs> naturally, you're going to end up kind of targeting certain games to be able to focus on. And, you know, we're trying to give you as much kind of ammo to be able to decide where to go with. But by and large, you know, we're going to be trying to stick to one to two picks per game over here in terms of what's really kind of jumping out. As as you know, with a 13-game slate, there's just, you know, there is more margin for error. But it also does mean that there is so much more of a shot for you to have that, you know, that guy that really turns the entire slate around by having monster night, you know, someone like a, a Drew Holiday style of career night that can just turn, you know, even the most massive slate around if it becomes, you know, the pick that's going to differentiate. So becomes super important here. Uh, I'm kind of throwing it out there. I'm liking a lot of the mid-tier things that I'm looking at here. I'm probably not going to find myself spending too much on studs, just given how many potential opportunities there are. But let's jump right into it and see exactly what that looks like. First game of the night, it is the Toronto Raptors getting to take on the Charlotte Hornets for this one. Now, 
given that we are doing this the night before, not all of the games do have their totals up, although we do seem to have at least the spreads for quite a few of them. So we'll definitely talk through that. And this one is a massive spread, likely because of how the previous game went, where uh, the Raptors absolutely destroyed the Hornets again. And they are once again going to be without much of their major personnel. So the Raptors are favored to win this one by 14 and a half. So 15 points on this one, looking like a potential blowout here. But uh, I'll let you uh, let you get started on this one. Who are you liking as far as any of the sides you're considering for this matchup? Uh, well, the past pods, I've kind of been going towards the Scotty Barnes, but he's kind of entered that mark where you're like, on a 13-game slate, I don't know if you want to spend that much money on him. Uh, so I kind of went a bit more on the cheaper side of things and went with Gary Trent Jr. Uh, at 4,800 if he decides to play, uh, especially if OG doesn't uh, play because of his, I believe, mild ankle sprain, if I'm mm. not mistaken. And uh, this is a game that possibly could help it to Trent's favor because, like you said, it's the Charlotte Hornets. They're trying to tank, uh, not really a defensive team. So if it's a game for Trent to really have one of those lighting up games, uh, I think this would be a really great chance. And on the Hornets side of things, uh, at similar price, I went with James Booknight at 4,700. Uh, the Hornets have a lot of injured players, and therefore, like, all their other players got prices just got inflated. Uh, Booknight's the only guy who I'm looking at at 4,700, I think, who can have a great night. But uh, it is a tough pick because you're going against the Raptors, and they are a really great defensive team. So you can't really guess who's going to have a good night. But I think mm-hmm. Booknight at 4,700 is a pretty safe pick uh, for the Hornets. Oh, you don't think uh, Svi is going to drop another 26 points on us? That's <laughs> yeah, that's your uh, fantasy lines of the season. That's exactly what ends up uh, winning you on there. But yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, the line of red that's there for the Hornets is pretty much their entire starting lineup as well as quite a bit of their bench as well. So definitely got to keep an eye out on that injury report. And this is why you got to get onto that Sports Ethos DFS pass, right? Keep yourself up with that live injury report and get yourself connected with the pros on our Discord as well. But as far as uh, who I'm liking, I'm, you know, similar lines of what you're thinking on here, though I am uh, kind of going more towards the front court side of things. I do think Jakob Pertl has seen himself kind of drop in his price tag a pretty good bit, but this is a matchup where he will absolutely dominate. Uh, apart from the fact that already twice in the season he's played them and he's averaging in the mid-30s as far as DK points are concerned. 6,500 though for a team that has absolutely nothing in the front court. They're likely going to be playing either a better Nick Richards or we're going to see Kai Jones get more of an opportunity in that front court as well. Either way, going to get absolutely eaten alive by Jakob Pertl over there. So even if the game isn't necessarily going to be the closest out there, lots of opportunities to rack up a big boards night there and uh, just needs a couple of those buckets to make everything else count. So really liking him over there. While on the Charlotte side, you know, we're going to be talking about quite a few mid-tier guards, and I think you're going to have a couple of opportunities. But I do like Theo Maladone to be able to uh, continue doing what he has been doing. Uh, played 41 minutes in that last game there, despite it being a 20-point loss for the Charlotte Hornets there. And despite the fact that he only had a 4 of 16 shooting night, just by how far and how long he was on the floor, was able to rack up eight boards, 14 assists in that game to end up with a 40 DK points night. So it's not necessarily, you know, the uh, most sexy pick to be able to throw out there, but I do think for a team that has absolutely nothing going for it right now, Theo Maladon has shown in the past the ability to rack up stats in a hurry when he was on OKC, when he got the opportunity, and now on Charlotte for the last uh, couple of games as well. So not a bad shout there. 
Moving on to the second game here, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers going into Orlando to take on the Magic. We do have a spread for this one. It is a four and a half point favorite for the Cleveland Cavaliers in a 221 and a half total game. So not necessarily the highest of pace games on here. And, you know, I was talking about the the mid-tier, but if there's going to be any one guy that I end up kind of spending up on as far as the slate is concerned, it's been the person who has truly taken the last couple of a couple of games now to ensure that Cleveland is getting the kind of uh, postseason seeding that they want. And that is Spider Donovan Mitchell, who in the last three games now has averaged about 56 DK points, has played 40 minutes on the dot in each of those games, and has not had a single game in which he shot less than 23 times in that. And he's coming off three straight games of 40 plus points, actual points over here. So 100% in an absolute groove right now. And we know Orlando is a pesky defensive team, and they are going to be someone that uh, is going to be looking to really target Donovan Mitchell. And to Donovan Mitchell's kind of other side of the coin here, he hasn't necessarily shot all that well against them this season. But just given the kind of groove that he is in right now, given the kind of usage that he is getting right now, and given just how much Charlotte is looking to get every single win that they can to kind of ensure that they end up with a top four seed for themselves, keeping that separation with the Knicks. I think this is going to be another opportunity for Donovan Mitchell to have a big game for himself. While on the Orlando side, really I've kind of avoided them. The only one I've really liked ever is Franz Wagner, and I think he's more of a cash play than a GPP one, but he still keeps showing you the upside to be able to drop 40. Whether that's uh, the kind of upside you're looking for in a much bigger slate here, I'll leave that to you. Uh, honestly, the Cavs players, I didn't really like uh, like their prices. Obviously, Garland's always an interesting one from my perspective because 7500 is one of those players that can always uh, have one of those really amazing nights. Uh, the Donovan pick is a really good one. And I was surprised he went for him because he, he is pretty expensive, and uh, you don't like to go expensive on these huge slates. But uh, I, I like the pick, though. Uh, on the Magic side of things, uh, I'm just going to stick with uh, what you said, too. I mean, I think we also said the same player last time we talked about the Magic, <laughs> which is this Franz Wagner. Because mm-hmm. uh, Franz is just a guy who like you can count on to even have a bad, uh, inefficient shooting night and still impact the game and get to his value. And that's kind of what you don't get from the players, even though I do want to shout out because Marco Fultz has been playing some amazing basketball, which is great to see. Yeah, no, Fultz has been great. Helped lead me to my uh, season-long championship as well, which is consistent all the way around. Ended up uh, winning by about 10 assists in the category I needed. So thank you, Fultz, and thanks to the rest of my team. I will enjoy that uh, season victory and the uh, the cash prize that comes with it. <laughs> on to the third game of the night. It is the Milwaukee Bucks going into Washington to take on the Wizards. Yet another big spread game over here. The Milwaukee Bucks are favored to win this one by 13. And we don't have a total for it just as of yet. Uh, as far as injuries are concerned, really the big one is going to be Chris Middleton, who's going to be out of this game with his uh, injury management to continue to do that. And uh, Grayson Allen is also ruled out. On the Washington side, though, pretty much their entire starting lineup is sitting out. Porzingis is out, Beal's out, Kuzma's out, and Monte Morris is also going to be out for this game as well. So lots to think about as far as their rotation is concerned. Uh, I'll let you start with this one that went first last. What do you like as far as this one's concerned? Uh, honestly, the Bucks one, it does not seem appealing, man. I, I mean, like, I'm, Holiday is always one guy to look at mm-hmm. when there's uh, one of them missing, but 8,500 is pretty expensive, and he hasn't been having a great stretch of games 10 of the season, maybe because uh, I guess they are, yeah, their goal is like to win a championship, right? So I don't think, think they really care about this last uh, few games. Uh, but I do have some couple of picks on the Wizards side of things because uh, 
obviously with the injuries that he have, I think I like Gafford at 5,600. Uh, he's a really great player, I think, when especially when Persingas doesn't play. Uh, you're going against their book, Lopez, you're going against Giannis. Uh, you just hope he doesn't rack up a lot of fouls in the early stages of the game. And if he doesn't, I think he'll be playing a, a ton of minutes because I don't know who their backup center is. I think it's Taj Gibson, actually. So I think uh, I think they're for sure going to play Gafford a whole lot of minutes as long as he's getting foul trouble. And then I also have Jordan Goodwin at 4,000. Now, of course, it's tough to kind of gauge which Wizards point guard or guard is going to really be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jordan Goodwin has been playing a decent amount of minutes. He's been actually taking advantage of it. And he's been not just scoring the ball, but he's been getting you a few assists, a few steals. He's more of a defensive-oriented point guard. And at 4,000, I, I do like him. Yeah, uh, I'm with there. I'm there with you on the Milwaukee side. I'm pretty much avoiding them on this slate over here. But on the Washington one, uh, outside of the kind of obvious Denny Avdia pick, who's just going to continue to do what he has been whenever everyone else is out, which is just rack up stats on stats. Whether that's enough for me to like him at 7,400, I don't know. But who I do like is DeLon Wright at 5,500, who is locked in as the starting guard at this moment, is going to play at least 31 to 32 minutes on it. And regardless of the fact that he is not the biggest point scorer in general, he always gets you the uh, stats across the board here. And he's always a sneaky steals guy, too, averaging nearly two steals a game for the season, which always helps. And, uh, you know, 5,500, he has a, f- a floor that's definitely in the high 20s and has continuously produced games that are in the 30s leading up into the 40s there. So a guy to be able to look into for this. And, you know, given the fact that uh, you do have Drew on the other hand, which is not necessarily the greatest matchup <laughs> from a defensive standpoint, but he's going to get the minutes volume there. So I think he'll probably hit his value and do a little bit beyond that as well. So maybe a little bit more of a cash play, but I do like him in general for this slate. Fourth of the 13 games is Miami going in to Detroit to take on the Pistons here. A 11 and a half point spread favorites for the Miami Heat without a total for this one as well. Uh, the injury news is pretty good as far as Miami's concerned. Uh, we do know that Bam Adebayo, who was previously questionable, is uh, expected to play for this game. So hopefully that is good for him, his perspective there. And uh, Miami also has Kyle Lowry as questionable, and he's kind of been playing off and on, obviously waiting for the uh, the playoffs to come on there. While the Detroit side, it's kind of the uh, the same news there. They're 100% on the tank <laughs> tank control Tank Commander, whatever it is you want to call it at this point. Marvin Bagley's out. Bogdanovich is out. Roddy Magruder is out. Isaiah Stewart's out. Alec Burks is out. And it's just exactly what we've been seeing up until now. So it does give you a little bit of opportunity to be able to kind of jump in and see what value does present itself. Because while this game is not likely to be a high-scoring one, I do think there are some uh, value opportunities to take advantage of here. Uh, First and foremost... I continue to like the ability from a GPP perspective to throw in a Gabe Vincent and see how things work out. Two nights ago when I took him against the Knicks, that was solid. Got me 34 uh, DK points in that one. It just happened to work out. And it's just one of those where you know exactly what you're going to get, which is him taking shots. And if he happens to hit uh, those threes, then you're going to have a good night as far as his value is concerned. And he's cheap enough that even if he has a terrible night, he's probably still going to be somewhere close to what his value is. While on the Detroit side, you're kind of, picking and choosing who you think is going to be the best out of their front court there. I do still think James Wiseman is probably the best pick of the uh, of the three that, that are there, which is uh, Isaiah Livers and Jalen Duran alongside uh, Wiseman himself. They're all in that same kind of price range, 5,400 to 5,100, just 
kind of going up there. At 5,400, Wiseman, even though he hasn't necessarily been playing kind of those big volume of minutes we were seeing slightly earlier uh, when he was on that uh, hot streak for himself, is still getting somewhere in the mid to high 20s, which is likely going to be enough for him to get somewhere close to 30 DK points. Not, uh, you know, the most upside there, but somewhere close to 6x is not bad. While uh, Jaden Ivey is going to be playing all the minutes, all the shots, all of the usage over there, it's whether he can be even somewhat efficient because as soon as that happens, the floor opens up for him to get into the 40s there. But uh, when he has a dead night, he ends up in the 20s. So that's the uh, that's the roller coaster you're looking for there. Uh, I mean, yeah, for starting off the Pistons, I think you kind of perfectly summed it up. I mean, I was looking at these players and like not a single player is guaranteed to get 20 plus minutes. Like I think I was looking at Corey Joseph. I was looking at the point guard rotation and one player will have a good night, but the other time he won't play minutes. So it's it's tough to kind of gauge on the Pistons side of things, like even the front court. Right, like when James Wiseman, either he plays a good amount of minutes because he's having a good night, but sometimes Durant takes over those minutes because he's having a good night. So it's tough to kind of gauge on that aspect. Uh, I kind of just went with a budget option here with RJ Hampton at 3,500. I still like him because, uh, I mean, like you said, they're trying to tank, and uh, I think it's just best to try to see what you can get out of RJ Hampton at this stage, and uh, kind of think about next season. And on the Heat side of things, I kind of took the same route as you. I went with uh, I went with Lowry first at 4,100. But of course, if he doesn't play, uh, Gabe Vitz at 3,900 because, uh, I mean, you said it, right? Gabe Vitz is the guy who's just going to hit your corner threes, uh, get a lot of minutes because he just does the dirty work for you. Yep, fair enough. Well, lots to look at over there. And one of the next game that's coming up does have a lot of implications to go with it. As we know, not only is the West super tight, but also some of these uh, mid-seeded teams in the East are looking at exactly what could potentially happen here. And that's what's happening. Minnesota going into Brooklyn. This is the closest spread game of the night as well. Brooklyn's actually favored to win by just one. So absolute coin toss for this game as well. So I expect it to be a closely fought one. And for the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are coming off an absolutely devastating loss to at home against the Utah Jazz. I was watching that. That one hurt. Apart from the fact that I want Minnesota to do well because I like all the guys on there. That was just a bad loss for a team that uh, were going up against the Jazz squad that were actually missing quite a bit of their starting lineup. And uh, just to correct you, uh, it's Portland. What do you mean? Minnesota, Brooklyn? Portland. No, Minnesota, Port- Portland beat Minnesota. Portland beat, you're right, Shaden Sharp. Yeah. Uh, you, Utah was the other one, you are correct. Shaden Sharp yeah. hit the layup at the end there, and then Kyle Anderson fluffed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're correct. Very annoying game. I just wanted to black it out of my mind. But yes, <laughs> that happened there, and basically it's now left them sitting in that ninth seed in the West, and it's a pretty precarious position at the moment because it's about uh, just a game above uh, 10 seed and just a game above that on the 11th, and Dallas is in their own kind of situation trying to get back. So let's see what ends up happening there. But yeah, Minnesota taking on Brooklyn over here. In terms of who I like, exactly what we saw happening in that last game against Portland, it was the Anthony Edwards show. He's clearly you know, gotten over his illness uh, that he was dealing with over the last couple of games and ended up playing a whole 38 minutes to put up 30 shot attempts leading into a 54 DK points night here. And his price tag actually has gone down a little bit, which was kind of surprising to me. I expected this to be in the kind of higher 8,000s, but at 8,100 for a guy that I can jump into the small forward slot, which I always like for whatever usage I can get in that kind of 8K range, I think he's going to be showing up in quite a few lineups for myself. And the same kind of situation ends up on the Brooklyn side with Mikael Bridges as well. He's not only dominated this matchup, Throughout the season, he's averaging about 45 DK points on 60% shooting and 48% from three. So it's uh, it's definitely a matchup that he has enjoyed as far as the season has gone. And uh, we saw him you know, do it slightly earlier in March as well, where he ended up on 
you know, in the mid 40s in the DK point side as well. So, you know, 8,300, you're hoping for a, somewhere close to a, a 50 point night from him if he continues to kind of go at the uh, the pace and at the efficiency he has been. But that's uh, that's kind of where the spend ups go for me on this one. Uh, I'm with you on the Edwards one. I think Edwards 8,100 is a really good price. Uh, I think like even if Talents plays, even if he doesn't play, I think uh, Edwards is due to have a good night because they really don't have any scoring in Talents. has has come back really rusty and, uh, Kind of looking back, like the Minnesota Timberwolves looked like how they started early in the season, struggling with how to work Towns and uh, Bober. And then on the net side of things, uh, I have Cam Johnson here at 65. And in my notes, it says if Towns plays, <laughs> then you want to go Cam Johnson because uh, I mean the front court hasn't worked, and especially when you have Cam Johnson on the three point, uh, just the pick and roll because you're gonna, I mean, uh, when Cal Bridges, especially then we just gonna run a lot of pick and rolls, and it's gonna track Gober outside and. I'm guessing one of them is going to be guarding Cam Johnson. I think Cam Johnson is going to have a great chance of just taking a lot of perimeter shots. And honestly, the Mikhail Bridges pick is also a really good pick. I mean, this this defense is ha- this hasn't been that good, especially towards the perimeter. So I think it's always an ex- exploit against the Timberwolves. Yeah, I hate hearing that, man. I really wanted the Timberwolves to do better this year. But obviously, Towns pretty much has missed the whole season. I'm yeah. hoping they can still sneak into the, uh, the play-in over here and try and make some noise there. But yeah, it's uh, looking a bit of a long shot. Let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks, another team that's thoroughly disappointed this season, taking on the Chicago Bulls. So the with the Bulls is favored to win at home by four on this game over here. Uh, as far as injuries are concerned for Atlanta, uh, we know Trey Young is uh, questionable with an illness, so we'll see if he is able to make it on the floor. But man, he has been an illness this entire season as far as uh, shooting is concerned. Oh, wow. So not not been a not been a good year for Trey Young. No two ways to to get around that while Chicago though is looking all good to go here but now I'll let you uh, let you start with this one anyone you specifically like on this game here uh I do have a couple picks on uh, both sides I mean Murray's I think at 7600 if, if Trey Young doesn't play I think you want to go with him 100 percent uh the usage rate is going to be really high and then uh, I have another pick in John Collins at 5100 uh obviously John Collins has been having a horrible season He's on a max contract, probably one of the worst contracts in the league. Uh, <laughs> but I think this is one of the matchups that I think he could definitely take advantage in because, uh, you know, I mean, there's going to be times where they're running Kobe White, I just assume when these guys are, are great defenders, but John Collins does have the advantage over them in terms of height. And on the bull side of things, I do have, uh, I have DeMar at 8,300, which is expensive, but DeMar somehow always kills the Hawks uh, in every shape or form. Uh, mm. I mean, I just, I always just remember last season where he hit that buzzer over them. And uh, maybe that's just my Raptors bias uh, kicking <laughs> in, but uh, uh, but Demar's always been amazing against this team. And like you said, right uh, in context, I mean these are two teams in the play-in, and uh, I think they are locked into the play-in. But Atlanta could slip down to the ninth seed, which mm-hmm. isn't going to be good. And Bulls are at home, uh, and I also have Crucial thirty-six hundred, who is uh, he is questionable, but if he plays, I think he's he can easily get twenty DK value. And if you want to go for a higher end players, Crucial is an easy budget player to get you some value. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right on that one. And yeah, as far as you know, playing implications concerned, this is for both these teams absolutely important for them to be able to figure out whether they're going to need to play one or two playing games to get into the playoffs. So yeah, for for the Atlanta Hawks who are tied to the absolute nth degree with the Toronto Raptors, they're pretty much just looking at each other to see who happens to uh, who happens to blink first. And you know, for the Raptors taking on a Hornets team that they should beat pretty comfortably, the Hawks will be looking at this game as something that they absolutely have to win to uh, make sure that they kind of keep keep ahead of the Raptors because they do have that tiebreaker on them. 
But as far as uh, value themselves is concerned, I'm right there with you on DeJounte Murray. Although on the Chicago side, you know, I've always kind of avoided that uh, that trifecta, just given the fact that they're all kind of there, and I don't know which one's going to go off. But if I'm looking at purely a, someone who can have the offensive night that's needed to be able to just uh, galvanize the team, we've been seeing that with Zach Levine over the last uh, last couple of games over here. In the last uh, six games, he's averaged about you know, 43 DK points in that one, including two games where he went above 50 and has been shooting quite well in that, in that spread as well, where he's ending up at about 56% from the field, including about 40% for three. So it's it's all about volume with him. If he can get hot, he'll absolutely do what he did in that last game against Memphis, where he ended up on 57 DK points pretty much. Uh, so, you know, in this kind of a slate, you're looking for a guy who can potentially blow it open. And I feel like most people try and avoid this uh, Chicago Bulls trifecta for good reason. But if you're going to go in with one of them, I think people might go with DeMar. So maybe be a little bit contrarian and, uh, and go with Zach Levine and see if, uh, if that works out for you, given how he has been shooting as of late. Moving on to the biggest spread game of the night that I'm looking at at the moment, and likely because everyone and their mother is out for Portland, but it is Portland going into Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. You want to take a guess at how much the Grizzlies are favored to win this one by? Oh, is it like 18? It is exactly 18. What did you look at this earlier? Wait, wait, is it? <laughs> it is exactly 18. <laughs> well, there you go. That's that's why you know he's the guy to look to for DFS advice. <laughs> but yeah, as far as injuries are concerned, yeah, there you go. You're doing the wrong pod, man. Bet365 is where you need to be at. But everyone is pretty much out as far as Portland's concerned. This red list is going all the way through. Really, the only guys that you know for sure are playing, Shaden Sharp, Drew Eubanks, and uh, Skylar Mays. You'll know they'll be playing, and the rest will kind of figure out as we go along. While uh, Trendon Watford, who did end up playing last game, uh, is uh, questionable for this game. So let's see what happens there. But yeah, Memphis, everyone except for uh, Dylan Brooks is good to go. He is questionable for this game. But yay, Dylan Brooks. Yeah, he just... Uh, Sad that's guy. Miss. Yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> as far as who I am liking, though, in this uh, in this matchup, just from a perspective of being able to put up numbers in a hurry, Drew Eubanks is likely where I'm going to be leaning as far as kind of front court potentials is concerned here. He's shown the upside. He showed it against Sacramento. Only 28 minutes was able to put up nearly 40 DK points in that one. And he's just been sneaky good at being able to rack up stocks and blocks you know, in a hurry. A guy who's now down to 5,800, going to be playing 30 minutes in a matchup that they're going to need uh, him in the front court to try and see if he can do something to kind of handle the uh, combo of uh, of Jaron Jackson and Xavier Tillman. So let's see what ends up happening there. While on the Memphis side, I'm just going to straight up avoid this matchup. I, I don't expect any of these guys to ma- play extensive minutes. Maybe if I'm being sneaky and I want to... Uh, you know, try and game script some of that blowout. I might be looking at some of these ancillary pieces as far as Memphis is concerned to play a little bit more as far as minutes are concerned. So, you know, the Roddies and the Conchars of the world at absolutely bargain basement prices. If the game gets out of hand, if they can get 20, 25 minutes, we've seen their capabilities to rack up 30 ZK points. But uh, that's uh, it's a bit too risky for my blood given some of the other options here. But what do you think? Uh, on the Blazers side of things, I kind of just avoided a lot of players. Uh, I mean, it's crazy how you mentioned the players who are playing instead of the players who are out. <laughs> uh, but uh, I got I, I went with Shaquille Harrison at 3,900. He's just a player, I think it only played like a couple games, but he had a really big game and perhaps he's going to play a lot more minutes with all the injuries that they have. And on the Grizzlies side of things, I tried doing a pick like uh, like you you like you like to do, which is one of those sneaky picks. 
you know, trying to see uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr., G League mm-hmm. player of the season, to at 3,200 if it's a blowout. Like Bet365 says, then uh, hopefully he gets a bunch of minutes and just shoots the ball as, as many times as he can at 3,200. <laughs> but like you said, I'm not really going for any high-end Grizzly players on these. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're all priced up to where they should be, which is what we don't like. Exactly. Well, <laughs> let's move on to some game that I actually do like and I actually plan on watching, which is the Sacramento Kings going into New Orleans to take on the Pelicans here. A three-point a three point, uh, favorite spread for the Pelicans with the total being 237.5. So of the games that we have uh, so far, as far as totals are concerned, this is the second highest. Only the uh, Thunder and Warriors game is listed higher at this moment. Uh, as far as the uh, injury side of things are concerned for this matchup over here, we're looking pretty good to go as far as Sacramento is concerned. It's really only uh, Malik Monk, who is questionable for this game, while on the Pelican side, it's pretty much the same uh, situation we've had. All the regulars we've been playing are going to be in for this game. I'll, I'll start with this one. In terms of Sacramento, Really, we've been talking about a couple of guards up until now. I know we've had a bunch in the 7,000s range, which includes uh, uh, not only uh, Jaden Ivey that we had earlier, DeJounte Murray's in there, Darius Garland is in there, but the guy who I think is going to be the best guard of that option is going to be De'Aaron Fox at 7,700 over here. And uh, He's actually not had the opportunity to play against the Pelicans this year. He was uh, injured, I believe, in the matchup that they did have. But plain and simple, it's all about uh, his ability to be able to put up points and with him averaging about uh, about his career average of 25 or season average of about 25 in the last uh, couple of games. It's been that assist number that's actually been steadily rising. He even had a double digit night against uh, against the Portland Trailblazers a couple of nights ago. And I expect that he's going to be playing a full quota of minutes in here rather than uh, the 20s that he's uh, gotten the opportunity to play against Portland because... Portland sucks. <laughs> I expect this game to be a little bit closer on there and a little bit more exciting. So I do think at 7,700, you'll have a, a good opportunity to be able to beat that pretty handily. While on the Pelican side, I'm actually going the other side, which is the front court on their end here. So I think this is another one of those matchups that JV has continued to do really, really well in. Uh, played one game so far this season where he shot 9 of 11 and was able to rack up 12 rebounds on a 42.5 DK point night over there. So there's a, a lot to like for him. Uh, up against the bonus, he's consistently done well from back in the days of when he's on Indiana, when he's on Toronto, Memphis, whatever it was. It's just one of those matchups where he, when he gets traditional centers on the other side, he's usually able to uh, hold his own and do quite well there. So I expect he'll get a, a bigger quota of minutes, likely into those uh, 30s that he was playing earlier in the uh, earlier in the month when he was up against uh, some of those traditional centers there. And at 7,400, I really like his uh, his upside to be able to drop kind of a mid to high 40s DK point night. Uh, starting off with the Kings, I mean, I'm with you on Fox. I, I was literally going through his whole, like, uh, like values over the, each game of the season. And this is the only game he's valued under 8,000, which is surprised, surprising because he has obviously has been shooting, like, what, 15% from three, but he's still been able to really get his uh, value. And so at 7,700, he's probably the best guard on, I think, out of the whole list. And, I mean, yeah, 7,700, I don't think you can go wrong with that. And then on the Pelican side of things, I went with Trey Murphy at 6,200, uh, mainly because at home, he's just been a different player. Uh, I was looking at the, the splits, and he's in 36 games at home, he's he shot 46% from three. I mean, that's that's absurd to think about. And at 6,200, uh, they're going to need this shooting because you, the Kings are a really fast-paced offense team. Obviously, defense is not their best thing, but they are, they're going to score a lot of shots. And I think uh, Pelicans are going to have to match, match that. I think Trey Murphy's third plays a part in that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Trey Murphy has been sneakily one of the better three-point shooters in general this entire <laughs> season. And as you said, from at home, other than away, he just happens to be a what was it that Kobe would say? A same animal, but a different beast. That's exactly what ends up happening <laughs> as far as uh, as far as Trey Murphy is concerned. So I do like that one there. Let's move on to another one of those potential blowout games on here, which we seem to be getting a lot of them, but Denver taking on the Houston Nuggets on oh, Houston Nuggets. Houston. <laughs> this is what happens when you get later on in the night over here and it all starts to blend together. But the reason why this game could be slightly more interesting is from an injury perspective over here, uh, Jokic, who did end up missing that last game uh, against the Warriors as well, is also questionable for this one, dealing with that kind of lingering uh, calf issue that he has had. And Denver, for their um, for their side, are pretty much locked in as far as uh, first seed is concerned. So they really have no real reason to uh, have Jokic play if he's not 100%. While uh, Jamal Murray, who was uh, dealing with a sprain, is considered probable for this game. So... We're likely going to get to see another one of those uh, vintage Jamal games that we got to see against the Warriors as well. And what was a very, very exciting game. They pulled it off right at the end over there. And um, I'm all about the Nuggets this season, so excited to see what uh, what Jamal Murray pulls out here. On the Houston side of things, uh, they're all systems go. But uh, I'll, I'll let you start with this one. Who are you liking as far as uh, this matchup's concerned? Anyone jumping out to you? Uh, I'm starting with the Nuggets. Uh, I like MPJ at 5,800. Uh, Aaron Gordon was always someone interesting, but he his price definitely went up after the great two games that he had without Jokic, I think. And uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray's question, I mean, Jamal Murray is always really intriguing without Jokic in play because, I mean, I think he always loves it to just have a lot of those shots, have the ball in his hands a lot more. And uh, I decided to go with MPJ kind of based off the fact that uh, he did have a really great game. And uh, if Jokic doesn't play, or and Jamal Murray doesn't play. I think that's a really like spot on pick in terms of MPJ getting a lot of opportunity. And uh, on the Rocket side of things, I, I've been going with the same player over and over again, and that's Jalen Green at seven thousand. Uh, Jalen Green uh, just continuously gets his shots, and he's hitting them actually. You know, it's, okay. it's, a good, it's a good thing. As long as he keeps on hitting his shots, we'll keep on choosing you in DFS. That's how it works. <laughs> there you go. You know, sometimes DFS is just nice and simple, right? Just pick the guy who's hitting your shots. <laughs> Anyone can do this job. But yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Jalen uh, Green has been awesome. He was the, You pretty much hit the nail on exactly the two guys that I was looking at over here. Uh, MPJ oh, yeah. is, just, is just perfect uh, for exactly his price tag, for the upside he has. And he, the other side is when Jokic is out, he's also the able to get uh, many more rebounds on his side. Ended up with 11 rebounds on that last game against the Warriors as well. And ends up averaging closer to uh, eight in the games that uh, Jokic is not playing. So definitely a nice boost to uh, the rest of his value, even if his uh, shots aren't always going in. Same kind of situation with Jalen Green. So right there, nice and simple. We'll look at those over there. We're getting into the last four games of the night here, getting closer to the end, getting closer to the evening hammer games here. And this is one that does have a lot of real-world implications as far as seeding is concerned. The two-seed taking on the uh, taking on the three-seed over here in the East, Boston going into Philadelphia to take on the Sixers with the Sixers favored to win by two and a half over here. Now, you know, we are pretty much at those last uh, couple of games of the season here with Boston three games ahead. So likely, you know, most likely go, going to go ahead and be able to capture that two seed. But this is going to pretty much be the last gasp for the Sixers if they do want to take that that chance to be able to get a little bit higher on here. And now I feel like they may potentially want to do that because... If they're on the two seed, they're going to be ending up taking on uh, what looks like 
it's going to be the Miami Heat, assuming that you know their playing kind of goes as is. I believe that they will uh, prefer that matchup more so than uh, more so than a Brooklyn one, which uh, has been a little bit annoying for them. Even though it's just you know it shouldn't be, but it's been an annoying matchup for the Sixers. As far as injuries are concerned, in general for uh, Philadelphia, it is looking like all systems go over there, so nothing to worry about. But on the Boston side, Jalen Brown is questionable for this game with uh, with some back pain over here and uh he's been in the uh he's been a pain in the ass of the oppositions for a little while now so back pain <laughs> philadelphia would be okay with that sitting out for this game to give him the opportunity to be able to do well as far as value is concerned though when uh, jalen brown is out that is about you know 28 usage that is uh kind of being filtered out to the rest of the op- the rest of the uh, rotation on the boston side and you know, one of the guys who's taking big advantage of that is Derek White in those matchups where uh, where uh, Jalen Brown is not playing. He does end up averaging about 13 shots in those games and uh, ends up playing about uh, 34 to 35 minutes. So always a good shout for him to be able to do quite well whenever he gets that opportunity. So definitely keeping an eye out for that uh, Jalen Brown health status because 6,000 would be a pretty solid pick as far as I'm concerned. And I think of the... Uh, the three guards that we always talk about there with the Derek White, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, I think Smart is the, the safest play always. He's going to be playing those minutes. He's going to be on the uh, the best guards on the other side. But the offensive upside and kind of the overall stat line upside is always there with Derek White, and he has been really, really big for Boston. I'm still super pissed off they picked him up, but it is what it is. <laughs> While on the Philly side over there, uh, this is uh, one of those opportunities for you to kind of think about if it's going to be a super close game and you've been you know, saving your money with all of these uh, mid-tier guys up until now, maybe you do want to spend up, but not on an Embiid. I may spend up on an Harden on this matchup here. It just all comes, comes out on how things go. We've been looking at this matchup throughout the season. Three games Harden's got to play against the Boston Celtics, and he has shot 50% from the field, which is much better than the 44 he's been doing for the season, shot 42% from three, and is averaging 52 DK points in the three games that he's played against the Boston Celtics. It's just a guy who knows how to break down Boston's you know, traditionally very, very stifling defense, but he just has uh, that sneaky first step and is able to get by with his strength against guards that just plain and simple aren't strong enough to be able to kind of stay with him. And it's just one of those matchups that he continues to enjoy. So, you know, 9,500, he definitely has the upside to be able to put up a big, uh, big game on this one, whether it be just from scoring perspective but I also expect at home where uh, he's been averaging uh, 11 dimes a game that he's going to get that opportunity to continue to do that. So I do like him in this matchup for the 76ers. Uh, unfortunately, I spent a lot in these past uh, couple of games that we talked about, so I had to take my budget down a bit. <laughs> so I decided to go with, uh, I mean, I don't really have anybody in the Sixers, but if there was someone who I did have, I did have interest in, it's Jalen McDaniels at 3,500. Uh, a player that I think is going to get a lot of minutes in these type of situations because I think this is the reason he was brought in for, you know, a guy who can shoot, a guy who could defend. And, I mean, Boston has been amazing with every player. I mean, you mentioned Derek White. He's been having a really great season, which has kind of been going under the radar because of how great Boston has been. And then uh, on the Boston side of things, I, I went with Horford at 5,200. Uh, this is kind of just a play-in, essentially, pick because Robert Williams is injured. And they need someone to guard and beat. And, of course, Horford isn't the same guy who's been able to clamp up and beat like he did in the past. But he's still a guy who's going to probably be annoying and just getting corner threes after corner threes, uh, easy assists, easy uh, rebounds, just because uh, Boston just knows how to beat and beat and just exploit him. And Horford always just 
apparently this I mean age is like ten uh ten years less against the Sixers <laughs> and this have goes absolutely nuts. Uh but yeah, those are my two picks. All right. I like it. Well we uh, get you to save a little bit of money because we're getting into the uh, big money games here. And, you know, maybe people want to uh, wait until these late, late ones to be able to go ahead and throw their hat into the ring and see how it goes. First one being the Lakers taking on the Utah Jazz with the Jazz at home. But the Lakers favored to win by eight as they continue on their late, late, late run to try and to go ahead and secure their uh, their playing spot and hopefully uh, they could even get all the way up to six seed, depending on how things kind of work out. Again, the West just continues to be super, super tight. And now that we're getting a little bit more kind of clarity, I would say Phoenix has pretty much uh, gotten themselves into that four seed. Now we start to talk about kind of that fifth all the way to kind of 11th, 12th, which is still kind of up in the air and uh, could see a lot of movement with these last couple of games. So, you know, for those guys who are into projecting it out, Definitely start to uh, start to think about where seeding could end up. As far as injuries are concerned, it's really the same old, same old. Questionable statuses across the board for the Lakers, but likely all end up playing. That's just how it is. Anthony Davis is uh, is probable for this game, while LeBron, who is questionable, just continues to uh, uh, go ahead and get himself back on the floor, even if he's not necessarily playing those high 30 minutes that he was uh, earlier in the season before he had his uh, month-long injury over there. And D'Angelo Russell is also questionable but probable for this game. So that's uh, take it as you will. While on the Utah side, it's uh, Laurie Markkinen who has missed missed a couple of games and then he got back for that Brooklyn matchup there. He is questionable for this one with his uh, left hand as well. While Walker Kessler... He has been ruled out for the remainder of the regular season. Very sad about that with a with a concussion. So we're going to get to see a, a little bit more of uh, the other front court options that uh, the Utah Jazz do have. And Clarkson is pretty much out for uh, for however long at this point. That finger seems to be, I don't know, the finger of doom. The dude is just out. <laughs> but I'll let you go ahead and start with this one. Who are you liking as far as the Laker-Utah matchup is concerned? Uh, I mean, honestly, LeBron is interesting at 9,800 because uh, he's usually over 10,000. But, uh, I mean, it's what Utah team is going to show up, the team that wants to absolutely just go out and destroy the Lakers or one that just wants to tank. Uh, so <laughs> that's definitely something interesting. Uh, but I'm not going to spend here. I got a, another game I'm looking to spend in. But I do. I am going to spend a bit of money on the Jazz side, I think, which is Kelly Olenek at 6,500. Uh, just a slot in play because, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Walker Kessler is injured and uh, originally I was thinking about Linnick and you know, I'm like he's going to struggle against guarding Anthony Davis and like playing into this game but these are the exact type of players that end up having an amazing game against the Lakers <laughs> just being annoying as they are and uh, I think uh, he's at 6500 I don't usually go for him but he's a player who can tend to have really great nights and if he's going if there's no Walker Kessler I think he's gonna have a lot more opportunity. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair. Uh, Lakers, I'm straight up avoiding. I think their price tags are beyond what I'll be uh, worrying about on here. But on the Utah side, we already know that uh, Walker Kessler is out. But if Laurie Markkinen is out for this game as well, I am all in on the uh, Taylor Horton Tucker revenge game over, over here. Se- 70, uh, 7,800 on this one has put up 40 plus in uh, three of his last uh, four games and including a 57 point just gem against the San Antonio Spurs, but he is going to be putting up 20 plus shots if that opportunity does come up over here. And again, just 
revenge side is 100% a thing with a guy who was uh, cast aside by the Lakers after being hyped up to be the next big thing. So sometimes uh, sometimes just things work out like that. By the way, he's not the next big thing. Horton Tucker's kind of crap. But fantasy-wise, <laughs> fantasy he is excellent. And he is going to get 34 minutes in this game. And he's going to continue to be able to put up somewhere close to uh, 20 to 23 shots a game. So lots of opportunities for him to be able to go ahead and put up there. So for me, it's really going to be that question mark between him and Anthony Edwards, who I like better, and that small forward slot. They're in the same kind of range as far as price tag is concerned. And while uh, I'll probably be leaning a little bit more towards the Anthony Edwards side, I do think that uh, if Markinen is out, Horton Tucker is going to be a pretty popular play for this game and for good reason. Last two games of the night, almost at the end over here, Ramiz, that OKC going up against the Golden State Warriors, the Warriors at home, which is, of course, meaning that the Warriors are actually going to be a competent team, in favor to win by eight, a 241 game total for this one as well. So the highest point spread of the games available so far, and you can expect it to be an absolute shootout over here. Uh, on the OKC side, we're looking at all systems go from their injury perspective, while at Golden State, uh, it is a... Um, a situation that Anthony or sorry Andrew Wiggins was potentially going to go ahead and play for this game, but uh, he is going to be ruled out still for this one. Hopefully, gets a game or two before the postseason starts for them. But as far as who I'm liking over here, now I usually don't go for him. I usually don't necessarily find myself going towards that way just because I always fear about guys who are mid-tier but need their shots to go. But Clay Thompson has had a just monster. Night, night after night after night against the OKC Thunder. He averages 57% from the field, 54% from three in the three <laughs> games that he's played against them and has been putting up 45 uh, DK points a night in that kind of a matchup. And the uh, the biggest thing, Clay is finding his stroke again. In the last uh, six games now, he's shot uh, anywhere from five to seven threes and is averaging about 46% from three in that time. So, a hot clay is a dangerous clay, and I think at 7,000 for a guy who's going to get the opportunity to put up quite a few shots in what should be a pretty interesting game. OKC still not you know, completely out of it as far as their uh, playing side is concerned. They're only a, uh, a game ahead of the Mavericks who are sitting at 11th. They're going to do whatever they can to try and sneak in because I do think they do want to play that play in not only to get uh, – SGA a little bit more postseason experience, but also just to cap off what has been a pretty good season for a team that uh, was pretty much written off to uh, to start the year. So I would think they want to have that uh, that option there. So I expect this to be closer, basically is what I'm saying, than the eight point spread would uh, would potentially indicate. So Clay Thompson is what I'm looking at from the uh, Golden State side, while from the OKC side, I'm actually not going to be taking anyone there. I think all these guys are priced at uh, a pretty appropriate stage. Funny enough, uh, SGA has actually not been having great games against the Golden State Warriors kind of so far in his career and in this season as well. Maybe he turns it around on here, but just to throw it out there, Josh Giddy has played quite well in the three games that he's played up against at OKC so far, averaging nearly 50 DK points in those ones there. So, you know, 8,700, probably a bit too expensive for uh, what I uh, what I would like my uh, guard to be. But yeah, just, uh, just throwing it out there. Uh, honestly, uh, the the Thunder picks, I didn't really go too crazy. I mean, Isaiah Joe is always an interesting player, but the Warriors are home, like you mentioned. So they are definitely a different team. And uh, you don't know if Isaiah Joe is going to be hitting his rhythm. But uh, I do like uh, Draymond Green at 6,500. Of course, this is going to be more of a offensive uh, firepower game. But Draymond Green, I mean, you mentioned Klay Thompson kind of getting into his group. 
And Draymond Green's been also doing that and just obviously continues to getting his triple singles and uh, impact the game like how he should. And uh, it's just, it, it's been uh, kind of getting his value. I mean, that's why he's roughly been around this area because he's been able to get to around 30 plus DK value like continuously. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially in this type of matchup where I don't think Looney's going to get a lot of minutes, uh, perhaps Kamingo will. Uh, but I think Draymond Green is definitely going to get a lot more minutes at center and just exploit OKC's defense a lot more. I like it. Yeah, we'll see exactly what that works out here. And I feel like you've been waiting for this matchup to be able to throw out your pick out here. But <laughs> San Antonio Spurs taking on the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix at home. So, you know, we spoke about uh, Memphis having an 18-point spread. This game, the Phoenix Suns are a 18-and-a-half. So basically 19 <laughs> points favorites in a matchup against the San Antonio Spurs, who, much like uh, we were talking about who's actually going to play for Portland, I think you're going to have to answer the same question of who's actually going to play for the San Antonio Spurs because they pretty much either rest everyone or someone else is out with a random injury that they'll go ahead and throw out there. So we know that Devin Vassell is out for this matchup. We know that uh, Jeremy Sohan is out for this matchup over here. Keldon Johnson is doubtful for this matchup. And Zach Collins is questionable. So lots to uh, lots to think about as far as what they're going to be looking like. But Phoenix, on the other hand, is all systems go over here. And a certain, uh, certain snake has been all systems go for the last couple of games. So why don't you tell me about uh, what you think of this matchup here and who you like? I mean, we are, we're both thinking it. Uh, Bizzo at 4,600 is just uh, someone to this look. I'm, I'm just playing. Uh, Kevin Durant at 8,900. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I think uh, it's pretty interesting how he hasn't really moved in his price. I mean, of course, this is probably going to be a blowout. But in the 30 minutes that Kevin Durant played, I'm pretty sure he can get his value. Uh, obviously, this this time, uh, there's like, what, four games left in the season. Kevin Durant needs to kind of get his groove on because uh, there's no time to waste because you're probably going to be facing the Clippers or Warriors in the first round. Uh, so uh, you need to find your rhythm now. And uh, 8900 that's that's the best price you're going to get Kevin Durant. So uh, continuously keep on getting him because uh, worst case scenario, he'll just get your value back. And on the Suns, uh, Spurs side of things, I just want to trade Jones at 5600 uh, with uh, possibly Keldon Johnson out, uh, Devin Fussell out, Jeremy Solskjaer out. <laughs> I think Trey Jones is probably going to be the only one handling the ball and uh, perhaps being able to contribute to assist to these uh, guys uh, like Mamu, uh, I'm not going to pronounce his full name. Uh, Malachi Branham. Just get these guys in rhythm and do his thing. You don't know? Mamu Kalashvili, man. Mamu Kalashvili. Oh, my God. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not really looking at anyone on the Spurs side. Maybe a little bit of Keita Bates-Diop if uh, everyone else is kind of sitting out there. Uh, we saw both him and uh, Gorgi Dian get some pretty good minutes and usage in the last game, but nothing to get super excited about. But someone's going to have to try to keep this game somewhat close. Uh, I knew you were, you were going to going to talk about KD, so I was going to throw out there that I actually think DeAndre Ayton at 6200 is where uh, I'm potentially looking at over here. Again, from a front court perspective, just no one on the San Antonio side to really kind of match up there. Uh, even if Zach Collins does end up playing, I don't think that makes too much of a difference. And for a guy who has done uh, 40 plus DK points in the uh, two matchups that he has had against the Spurs, 6200 is a very solid price tag for a guy who's a walking double double. Should be able to get a couple of. Uh, uh, blocks and steals to uh, kind of go with it in a matchup where you know a lot of undersized guards are going to try to go in at them. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton at 6200 is probably where I'm looking. But that brings us to you know let me <clears throat> catch my breath here. That's a long, long slate. Like I said, 13 <laughs> games, lots of things that could potentially change from now all the way up until the uh, the game comes up. So definitely get yourself onto that Sports Ethos DFS pass and get yourself connected with the live injury report and asking the pros all the way up until lock. 
But speaking of pros, let's also talk about props on the Thrive Fantasy side of things where, you know, again, that 13-game slate gives you a lot of options to be able to look at. So keeping that in mind and keeping in the spirit of that, I've got uh, three picks on my side from the Thrive Fantasy side of things to see who I like. And uh, we're going to start, first of all, with the Memphis side where John Morant at 38.5 points, rebounds, and assists. Now, I know we didn't take too many guys from the actual matchup itself, but I expect that it is going to be one that uh, Jaws going to be able to rack up stats in a hurry. I'm going to say he's going to go over on that 38 and a half to get you 105 points. So I do like that one there. While on the other hand, and kind of hurts me to say it, but Carl Anthony Towns, who has been dealing with an illness and a bunch of different things, but continues to get himself on the floor, is clearly labored at the moment. So, you know, props to him getting out there, but I do think he'll be under his uh, 35 and a half points, rebounds, and assists there. 95 points to be able to take that one. And then, surprise, surprise, the guard I like best on the slate, Darren Fox. 25 and a half points, get juicy, 120 points to be able to do that for him to go over. So a 26-point night in what should be a fast-paced and close matchup against the Pelicans. I like that pick. Uh, Honestly, uh on. I kind of agree with two two of your picks with the uh, John Rant one. I think that's the easy one. Uh, as long as he just keeps on doing what he does, gets what I think he averages like what twenty six twenty seven points per game. Uh, so that's already pretty easy. And then De'Aaron Fox twenty five and a half total over on that for sure. With and you're getting one hundred twenty points, and uh, so that kind of completely aligns with what we said with the uh, DFS picks as well. And then I went with a pretty I feel like a comfortable one, which is Rudy Gobert. Uh, over one and a half total blocks and steals for 95 points. I mean, they are going against their Brooklyn Nets and they do tend to struggle, but Rudy Gobert shouldn't have an issue of getting at least uh, two blocks in this game. And uh, I think, yeah, that's that's my last pick. I love it. Well, that last pick also brings us to the end of what was, I said, an absolutely packed slate on here. So, you know, lots of thoughts and prayers for those who uh, are thinking about the lineups that they're going to be putting out over here because it's definitely going to be a lot of analysis paralysis. I know exactly what I'm going to be doing when I'm putting those together. So good luck to everyone out there. As always, you can catch me on Twitter to tell me about your thoughts on what is a absolute beast of a slate over here. You know, hope you get a good night's sleep on the Monday going into this massive matchup there. But at HK underscore devil, reach out to me, see what you think and talk to me about what your lineups are looking like. And Ramiz, where can the good people find you? Uh, they can also find me on Twitter at two nice. That'll be spelled T O zero underscore nice underscore. All right. Well, too nice with that as always. And it was too nice to have another session with you <laughs> as we went ahead and finished up a massive slate here. Uh, we're obviously going to continue to keep following the injury reports on here. And I know Keith has been uh, putting together a bunch of really, really cool live to lock live shows that he's been doing. I don't know if he wants to go through it for a 13 game slate, but maybe I can uh, push him on for this one, but definitely keep an eye out for that. And if it happens to be something you follow along, uh, keeping up with those injuries all the way up until lock definitely something you want to look into but until then you know good luck with the slate good luck with the rest of the season i know everyone's excited for the postseason start very very soon but until then good luck and let's keep killing these gpps son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up 
He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project UP, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.